Hello everyone, welcome to the 6 p.m. Bible study. This is Pastor Mike. I want to welcome in my Facebook friends, my podcast friends, those that are listening from Lift Him High Radio, and those that will be listening from our YouTube channel. I want to remind you that in March, we're starting a new YouTube channel. It's called Mike Springston Ministries FFC. And we'd love for all of our current YouTube uh, people, uh, subscribers to follow us into that new channel at Mike Springston Ministries FFC. Again, thank you to everyone worldwide that studies with us. We're looking forward to a great Bible study tonight. And uh, we want you to contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com. FFCMA.org or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. We would love to hear from you. We know tonight there is the little minor activity that's going on called the Super Bowl. Don't worry about it. It starts at 6.30. They're not going to do anything until around 7 o'clock that makes any difference and absolutely nothing until around the fourth quarter that's going to dictate the winner and the loser. So hang in here and let's study the Word of God. Father, we pray that you'd open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God says to us, and then may we plight our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Jesus, we thank you for speaking to us this morning through the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the words that showed us what the know, do, understand, and demonstrate. I pray that you will do the same, reveal it, I'll receive it, release it to your people. And we'll give you all the praise and honor and glory for every bit of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. We're looking at session 10 of our study on Acts chapter 2, understanding Acts chapter 2, and trying to fix some misconceptions about the operation and the work of the Holy Spirit. Hi, Betty. Just a little while ago, I heard a prominent preacher say, if you're looking for the deceivers, then uh, look to those who are always looking for something from God and not looking to Christ. They, he said, are the deceivers. Well, friends, I want you to understand something. I don't look for signs and wonders. I don't teach looking for signs and wonders. I teach to expect signs and wonders. Why? Because that's what Jesus told us he would do. And he told us that we would do the same thing because we were left to continue to do and to teach the things that he began to do and to teach. So if you're looking for a message that has its deceptive origins and ideas, then you must consider the message that is in direct opposition to the direct teaching of Jesus Christ. Now, my friend, this message of Jesus Christ is a message of hope. Hope always has with it an expectation. Jesus himself told us exactly what to do with regard to dominion where his lordship came in. I preached that to you this morning. The Holy Ghost showed it to us in beautiful ways. 
He said that the Lord worked with him and confirmed his word. So there must have been an expectation because the Lord was doing something. They were operating in his name correctly and appropriately. It seems to me that if we fail to expect God to function from his word and to do for us the promises of his word, then it is highly probable that we are not seeking our God at all. That our God has become a monument and a statue and possibly is not hearing. That our God is relegated to the words on a book, on a page. That's not our God. That is not our God. Our God is a God who has sent Jesus Christ to the cross, who has buried the flesh, who has risen from the dead, who has become the high priest and, and sanctified us to be his brethren, brought us into citizenship, and has made us members of a kingdom whose federal head is Jesus Christ. And from his lordship, he gives us the ability to operate in this world in power, authority, supremacy, and dominion. My friend, we expect that. We operate in that. The reason that others fail operating there is not because it is not available, but simply because they don't know how to get to it. They don't know how to teach and preach the message that will take you to the place. As we went this morning with our viewing audience and those in the sanctuary, into the presence of Almighty God. We did that this morning. We renewed our mind in the spirit world. So I want to say to you today, I expect God to answer when I pray. I expect to use his name and control my environment. Why? Because one day I woke up and said in my own mind, I'm going to do this. No, 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 because that's what the Word of God teaches. The Word of God teaches us to do that. Jesus taught us to do it. And those that are operating from some other form are operating in another gospel. And we're going to address some of that tonight. We're going to identify what physical attractions do to us as we attempt to develop worship. It's steeped. Here's where the train left the station and no one was able to draw sense from what was happening. The train left the station and our church world began not to seek engagement, but they began to seek responses. See, we are out of balance. On the one hand, we say there is uh, nothing that is going to come from God and we should seek Christ and Christ alone. On the other hand, we have those that say this physical relationship to worship will create a response. They will respond and their means of responding will identify what sort of spiritual content 
they're able to be in. And neither one of those are correct. Neither one of those are the actual answer of which we're seeking and finding in the Word of God. We are not trying to become response-oriented. We are trying to engage with the Holy Spirit. We are not trying to become involvement-oriented. That's what's going on in our church world and a lot of churches. We're trying to involve. We're not trying to involve, nor are we trying to elicit response. We are trying and we are seeking and we are learning Christ in such a way that our mind is renewed and in the renewing of our mind, we engage with the Spirit. That's what Paul meant when he said he destroyed crucified flesh and walked in the Spirit. He engaged with the Spirit. As we completed our last podcast, we were focused on the impact of physical worship. During that worship, any spiritual emphasis, all spiritual emphasis is rejected when we do two things. When we either eliminate the concept of expectancy or we heighten the concept of response. In both of those cases, the spiritual influence is lost on the congregant, on the hearer, because we have not come in to the perspective where our mind can be renewed through the Spirit and we can engage the Spirit. My friend, that is the secret that Paul found. He found the ability to engage the Spirit to the point that while engaging, he could demonstrate the Spirit. But whenever we're doing this through either one of these uh, windows of saying there is no uh, nothing that God will perform, or you're working from a total physical response to music and whatnot, both of those are inaccurate with what God has designed for us in the spirit world. He has designed for us to engage. Paul said, my spirit, or the spirit will bear witness with our spirit. They will engage. That's different. It's not response. It's not involvement. It's not just the scripture as they are and finding Christ in the scripture. It is engagement. Jesus taught engagement. And when we miss that, we are missing the revelation. We are missing the fact that the Spirit will renew your mind. We are remaining, and I'm going to talk about this a lot in a minute or two, in our intellectual endeavor. And when we remain in our intellectual endeavor, we're going to find out that that intellectual endeavor will always have a barrier. That barrier is always just how intellectual are you? Well, so we come into this physical idea and we spend our time 
trying to elicit a physical response or trying to intellectually put things in order so that we can, we can seek Christ, but we don't engage. We don't engage with our worship leaders. We don't engage with the Word of God. We hear the Word of God. We intellectualize it, but we don't engage with it. It is the engagement that Jesus taught in Mark 16. He said the Lord worked with them. He engaged with them. And from that engagement came signs and wonders. Now, what we're seeing, for instance, in our worship today is a choreographed exercise. And my friend, it looks more like a jazzercise class at a, at a local recreation center. That's not worship. That's not worship, friends. There's no engagement there. You're not engaging in the spirit world. You are strictly engaging in the physical world. Neither is it worship when all we do is engage intellectually. That's not worship. When all we do is decipher the word of God and listen and try to find something about Christ from only the word of God. That's not worship. These exercises have a message, but the message is not one that impacts the all-important spiritual function because it doesn't participate with the spirit. It participates with the physical, and it participates with the intellect. So what is it speaking to us? Isn't it clear? That the word of God, just like when Moses dropped and threw down the commandments, the word of God is being broken by our attempts to worship in the physical and in the intellectual. What we have done has been ingested into ourselves to the point that we absolutely are spiritually not only weak, but inadequate. Why would I say that? All I want you to do is to consider your life, the life of those around you, and consider the concessions that you are making in your world to things that the very thing that you intellectually have adorned yourself with speaks directly against. Ha! Now, now, Pastor, you're meddling. Well, if I'm meddling, let me meddle. Because the truth of the matter is that what we have done is we've ingested the word of, uh, of the, the, the intellectual idea and the physical idea to the point that we are so spiritually weak that we cannot tell truth from a lie, that we cannot look at people, look at their lifestyle, and realize what the Word of God says about that. We have got love and grace and those sorts of doctrines so far out of kelter that we have no way to intellectually pull it back in because intellectually we're saying, well, now we can make this concession based on this 
and that concession based on that, and we can physically make this response, and that'll make everything okay. Well, my friend, it doesn't. It makes us weak, and we've ingested it to the point that there is now a separation that is occurring between us and God. I want to say this. The underlying issue of this entire package and the entire approach lie with leadership. They support and they promote this style of intellectual and physical worship. And they become more influenced by their own intellectual ideologies and those that are into the physical worship, they become more influenced by the response of the crowd, the noise, the jumping, the dancing, the gymnastics, the yoga, the jazzercise, than they are really in the directions that are in the Word of God. So what do we see? These two schools of thought, we see that intellectually and physically, what they are doing is that they're putting money in the bank, money in the preacher's pocket, money into the, uh, uh, the people that are in the church, into their edifices. They have become a pseudo-church, and they hold tremendous community influence. While their community around them is falling to the ground because their spiritual influence is very little. Then we must, because of this, we alter the word of God so that the people in attendance can be made to feel very comfortable that we're not going to have a legitimate move of the spirit we are not going to renew our, renew our mind in the Spirit. We are not going to have to worry about the gifts of the Spirit. We are not going to have to worry about anybody telling us about what thus saith the Lord. Consequently, their walls are bursting. So what does the message tend to address? Well, obviously it addresses physical and intellectual things. Most of the time, it's addressing things that lead to being successful, rich, a good person, motivate yourself to better things and things of that nature. Or, intellectually dissect the Word of God. Dissect it intellectually. I'm going to deal with that more. What I'm saying is that all of these things become tangible in their own right. The hearer says, I can see that I need to do more, be more, get more, have more. The physical has so encumbered the life of the church that we have become closer to the world of darkness than we are to the world of light, and that goes for the intellectual as well. Why is that? Because we reject the idea of deeper spiritual opportunity. We desire to be comfortable with our connections to the world. 1 Corinthians 15, 46, it, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. Afterward, that which is spiritual. 
identifying the fact that spirituality follows the natural man, well, that's scripture. Man is supposed to relate now because the spiritual has followed the natural. More to the spiritual man than the natural man, but it is not so. That would mean that they are pursuing the actions of Jesus Christ and following him as he progresses through the plan of salvation. But they would tell us because we have expectations to engage with the spirit that we are in deception. But the scripture is very clear. It said the spiritual will follow the natural. We were born natural. We are going to become spiritual. We are going to follow Jesus Christ through all of the plan of salvation. We are going to become followers and imitators of him. Imitators of him. Now, the physical people, they don't want to do that. They want to jump and shout and have a response. The intellectual people don't want to do that. They just want to rely on what is in the printed page. And they want to dissect it and dissect it. And often, they will run off into some other type of commentary and not even remain in the scripture at all. Uh, those believers who remain attached to their natural side, so I've described two, they become those that are very guarded and those that will absolutely stop the pursuit of the actions of Jesus and choose by their own intellect and their own physical nature to stunt the maturity that Paul says is required in the book of Ephesians. In other words, the natural side maintains control. Well, anytime you're having your intellect lead you or your physical self lead you, the supernatural, the spiritual is not in control. So therefore, the spiritual man is rejected. No wonder they're not seeing any action. No wonder they don't have any expectations. Their only hope is that Jesus Christ has died for their sin and they will remain at the cross and there they will run the cycle and the circle of guilt to sin to forgiveness, guilt to sin to forgiveness and never understand that they got to follow Jesus. Jesus made that very clear. The, 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 the idea of having a nature that can live in continual sin because of grace Paul debunked in the book of Romans. And not only that, Jesus said that if you're going to enter into my sheepfold, you're going to not listen to a stranger's voice. He said a stranger's voice will they not listen. So whenever you are listening to this life of sin and you are uh, coalescing to sin and you're corresponding with sin and you're constantly coming up with ways to include sin in your church, sinful activities in your church, well, my friend, you're hearing a strange voice. Therefore, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the one who's running the sheepfold, well, he's saying to you, you're not a member of my sheepfold. It's very clear. Read John 10. Well, this is the case that occurs with every doctrine that attempts to deny, eliminate, or diminish the ministry of the Holy Spirit because they're more desirous of maintaining their 
personal connection to their intellectual and performance ministry than they are of knowing the truth about the word of God. They want to respond and they want to think. Involve where the Holy Spirit wants to engage. We need to engage with the Holy Spirit. Response, involvement, intellectual analysis and dialysis, no. <laughs> Those become parts, but unless you're engaging in the Spirit and walking in the Spirit, then my friend, you are directly opposed to the teaching of Jesus Christ. Now, the intellect, although it is good, it becomes an inhibitor concerning spiritual things. It becomes the destructive natural side of man that will keep you from ever experiencing any engagement with the Holy Spirit. Now, the question is, can they experience Jesus and be saved? Do not misunderstand me on that. They can allow their intellect to engage the reproof of the Holy Spirit because they can see when they contrast what Jesus did and why he did it and who they are and how they're living and they can say intellectually, yeah, I can see that. And the Holy Spirit will reprove them. And they can get saved. They can allow that intellect to engage the reproof of the Holy Spirit. They can allow their intellect to see and believe what Jesus did for them. They can even allow their intellect to give way to the concept that in their intellect, they can't save themselves. So they can believe and get saved. Certainly they can. Then and there, the intellect, however, becomes an inhibitor concerning moving forward into a life of following Jesus. Well, see, when they tell me that we must be in Christ, what they're telling me is that I must follow him, that I must go where he is and do what he's done, that I must not stay at the cross, because if I stay at the cross, I will not have followed him. But if I'm going to engage with his actions and the replications of the Holy Spirit, then I'm going to have to engage with both Jesus and the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to have to follow him through all of the six stages. Those stages of salvation are healing, preservation, deliverance, safety, soundness, and wholeness. What they produce in us is a servant, a severing of the flesh, a selection of dropping off the old nature and selecting, putting on by selection the new nature and coming out robed in righteousness, prepared to enter into the sanctuary where he sanctifies me, calls me brother, changes my membership to the member being a member of humanity into a citizenship where I become a member of the kingdom of his dear son. I've gone from darkness into light, moving into the throne room of God where his lordship takes over, where he pronounces 
me as a member, kingdom member, where the umpire, the Holy Ghost, is directing me and where he is giving me dominion. Now, I'm going to stop with that because next Sunday morning I'm going to show you what the next step is. Now, I don't want to go there tonight. But if we remain in our intellectual inhibitor because or our physical worship, either one, we will never engage with the Holy Ghost. When we engage with the Holy Ghost, that is when we can follow him. Our expectations begin to change. Our thoughts begin to change. We become spiritually renewed. And when we become spiritually renewed, what's happened? We are engaging with the Holy Ghost. We are willing to set our mind, will, and emotions from the natural side aside and move into the spiritual realm where we are no longer carnal in nature, but we are spiritual in nature and we have dropped off the carnality of death and taken on the, car the, the spiritual nature of life that's in the spirit of Jesus Christ and go to, to peace and life. What a difference of lifestyle. My friend, this is real. This is rich. But we have two forces. One saying, stay to your intellect. It's the only thing you can trust. One saying, stay in your physical worship mode. It's the only thing you can trust. You'll look like you're in a spiritual mode. You won't be on either side. You're going to have to take the two of those and put them together until they lead you into the engagement of the Spirit. Now, I've already told you what to do. If you listen to my message this morning, I've told you exactly how to do it. Showed you how to get into the world, the Spirit and move yourself in your mind's eye because that's what's trying to be renewed and move yourself from the cross to the tomb, to the resurrection, to the putting on of robes of righteousness. Glory to God. Moving yourself to where he is separating you and sanctifying you and saying to you, you are now my brother. And then stepping into the throne room of God where you find the high priest who can be touched with the feelings of your weaknesses but says to you, I am accepting you and bringing you into the throne room of God and giving you a seat in heavenly places with me. I'm giving you voice and I'm giving you seat in the heavenly domain. What happened? Well, Hebrews 4 tells us that there we find grace and mercy when we enter into the throne room of God. What does it do? It comes out as a help in time of need. Glory to God. Johnny on the spot. But we're trying to get there through two means, watch it now, that are diametrically opposed to the teaching of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you'll minister to your word, through your word to people, and open our eyes and our hearts that we can hear and understand what you're saying. Father, please, bring us to truth so that we can put together the worship process and the dying and living process in such a way that we can engage with you in the spirit 
and we can begin to control not only ourselves but our environment. And then as we do so, may we engage with you as you have shown us your desire to not only engage with us, but to never leave us, to manifest yourself to us, and to show us things that are to come. We praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, before I go, I want to tell you why I'm pulling for the Kansas City Chiefs. Their quarterback coach, Matt Nagy. I've known Matt Nagy for probably, oh, over 40 years, I would guess. 35. He was a head coach of the Chicago Bears. He'd been with the Eagles and the Chiefs. I began to coach Matt when he was in high school. I'm pulling for the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm hoping that the Kansas City Chiefs win this Super Bowl. And Matt, I'm hoping for you to get another ring. God bless you, my friends. We love you and we appreciate you. We'll be back with you early this week with more teaching. Talk to you soon. God bless you, my Facebook friends. May God richly bless you is my prayer. Find him as Jesus, as Lord, and there he will show you how to have dominion over your environment. Find him as the man in the Godhead bodily, and there he will show you how he will have dominion over you. May God bless you until we speak again.